0: research, history, archives, websites, film, audio and video recordings, and recognition. Visit us at WIJSF.com. You're listening to blogtalkradio.com slash music woman with your host, Diva JC. <laughs> degrees. My goodness. So let's see if our friend today, Jackie Pickett, is having heat spasms. Hi, Jackie.
1: Hi. Hi, Joan. I'm here at the Endless Mountain Music Festival in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania, where we are about two thousand feet above sea level in the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon, listening to Awesome music, and it is a comfortable, like, 84, 85 degrees here if it's that hot, (laughs)
0: and we need to eat in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) You're lucky. I'm in the deep south, and it's hot, 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 hot. Mm.
1: I heard it's hot. No, we're real, we're real lucky, right? Uh, We're real lucky here. And they have a uh, just it's a wonderful music program that's uh, here at Mansfield State University. And uh, we go to the Corning Glass Museum in New York and play in the city of Wellsboro. So uh, just honored to be here and uh, very fortunate to be able to beat the heat. Yes.
0: Well, as our 407th member, I welcome you to Women in Jazz South Florida. And I would like to know what brought you to music as a child.
2: What
1: drew me to music as a child? My mother's fantastic record collection. Plus, music has always been going on in our family. But my mother had recordings Uh, She belonged to Columbia Record Club, and she had vinyl recordings of Eugene Ormandy and the Philadelphia Orchestra. I remember Mendel's Italian Symphony, uh, just this pristine performance of that. And then she had singers like Harry Belafonte, so I got to listen to popular um, music of the day also, and of course, the platters, uh, and just Listen to all of these wonderful vintage recordings as a child that she had in the 50s and and the 60s. So that drew me to music. Also, our wonderful music education program here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Like I said, I'm at Mansfield State University right now. And all across the state of Pennsylvania, there are uh, smaller colleges in the university system that has dedicated teachers, and I was lucky to be able to meet those teachers and have their care as a youngster and in our public school system, and that's what drew me to music, all the opportunities.
0: So I cut my teeth in Philadelphia. Okay, I'm 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 in the coal miner side over in Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yes, but Philadelphia and Pittsburgh both have wonderful uh, musicians. Do you know Dr. Nelson Harrison?
1: I I've heard of Dr. Nelson Harrison, but never had the
0: privilege to meet him. Oh, well, he was with the Count Basie band. So listen you You studied music where where did you begin to study music? How did you get to the base?
1: Uh, I studied at West Virginia University, and it's a wonderful music department in Morgantown, West Virginia, not far from my hometown of Somerset, Pennsylvania
0: mm-hmm. okay well, what I mean, there was something that once, most music teachers lead girls to the flute. How did you get, you know, what made you do You study instrument. Well,
1: well, Jared, you met me. I'm a big girl. I've always been like this size since I was in, since I was 11 years old. I've always been tall. I'm like five, seven, and, uh, You know, I'm around 200 pounds. So I am physical in the size structure of most of the guys. And to be honest with you, that's what got my elementary school person to put me on the bass. I was big enough to play it, and nobody else wanted to play it. And that was the string instrument that was left over.
0: Yay! Well, listen, I just need to (laughs) think about Uh, Five-minute break, so I'm going to play Willow Weep for Me, and we will be right back. This is Jackie Pickett, bassist, performing Willow Weep for Me.
2: Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's Jackie Pickett picking on the bass. Hey, Jackie. <laughs> Hi, John. So, tell me, have you written music? Have you composed music?
1: Uh, no. I I have a tendency to play live, and that's the best way for me to communicate. It's sort of like we're talking right now, spontaneously. So I do a lot of uh, live improvisations and never know what I'm going to do until I start playing.
0: Oh, okay. But you don't put anything to the paper? Uh, Not really. I put, I write poetry.
1: I put words to paper. But as far as musical notes...
0: Not really, no. Okay, so you're you might be a lyricist. Uh well
1: that's one of the nicer things I've been called, yeah.
0: <laughs> if you don't mind sharing your first month and day. Oh, my I was born on April fifteenth. Oh. Isn't that uh, Aretha's birthday?
1: Could be. It's also income tax day.
0: It's income tax day. Right. Right. So tell me. My mom would do anything for a deduction. (laughs) That's funny. So, um, have you traveled abroad?
1: Oh, yes. I've been very fortunate uh, to have been, of course, uh, to Europe and South Africa and, uh, and China. Uh, I don't know if Alaska is considered a foreign country, but it's certainly a unique place. Mm. And I am a visiting artist in Bogota, Colombia. And oh, i nice. uh, Yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing really remarkable here. It's just I have something to say and there are people who are interested in what I have to say and I travel around saying it.
0: And so have you encountered uh, any pushback as a woman musician? Oh no, Joe, never. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God. Uh,
1: Jeez. Uh you just well uh as you can see I have a very uh, opinionated uh way of playing so that gets pushed back in itself uh but generally I'm not one of those people you sit on the fence with uh you either like what I do or you just don't care for it and you know that's okay
0: right so Um, You said you went to South Africa. Did you meet Sibongile, Buddha?
1: No, no. I was at the University of Westerstrand, and uh, it was a very interesting experience because that university is sort of the equivalent of an Oxford or a a Yale, and Mm -hmm. it is an academic environment where uh, some of the shortly after apartheid where some of the white professors had a difficult time addressing me properly, which is the only time I really have uh, insisted that you call me by my formal title, which is Dr. Pickett. And uh, other than that, I met people in Soweto and uh, had a wonderful uh, driver who uh, lived in, Nelson and Winnie Mandela's neighborhood and uh, showed us around. And at that particular time, Fidel Castro was there for a G7 summit. So I was like 50 feet from Castro, and he, of course, only spoke in Spanish and got to hear a very rare English translation of, of the speech. So I got a little taste of politics and got to see how the people actually lived there. And so that is my experience in South Africa. It was a very raw and uh, baseline uh, type of adventure uh, which you would only get to see from the perspective of the people as opposed to being a performing artist. I, I performed in an academic venture. I, I do pieces that uh, basically deal with social issues. This was a piece of music for Double bass and narrator about the effects of war on children. And that's why I was there.
0: Wow. Wow. Now you got your master's degree, your doctor of musical uh, art at the University of Wisconsin Madison. Isn't that where Lionel Hampton had a I don't know, they have a Lionel Hampton school. Well, they had a
1: Miles Davis uh, uh, Conservatory Without Walls at the Yale School of Music, which is where I did my master's. And I, through that program, I've got to meet and hear the greats like Ella Fitzgerald, heard her live in concert, one of the last performances by Alberta Hunter. And uh, you know uh-huh. musicians that yeah, <laughs> that were the um, uh, at the form at the beginning and the molding of this beautiful art form that we call that we call jazz. And I live or I work in Columbus, Georgia, which is the home of uh, Gertrude Pridget, which is known to many people as Ma Rainey. And I can tell you firsthand that community loved and embraced that woman. Uh, just and she she's buried there and spent her life. Uh, she chose to come back to her home of Columbus, Georgia, at the University of Wisconsin. I was very lucky uh, to meet and uh, study with uh, Richard Davis, who yes. is uh, one of our icons and uh, a, an activist. Very uh, animate about creating opportunities uh, for, for younger people like myself. And uh, that's probably where you're getting those uh, collaged together. Uh, and Richard did a lot and still does a lot, though he's retired now to, in the Wisconsin area, uh, to bring people together. And that's one of the beautiful things that we can do with music. Uh, we have, it's a very humbling uh, knowledge that we can use this art form
0: to really bring people together. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is your advice for a young woman coming into the music industry?
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> you said keep these answers short. <laughs> Above all Go ahead, talk. You got to
1: understand it. that you have a voice that matters. And it is your responsibility to embrace and own that voice. In that process of embracing and knowing who you are, you will always walk with the creator and you will move to the place that is your highest reflection of you on earth.
0: Mm. That's right. Wow, Jackie, that is, I say, music is the mastery of mind. It keeps you in a place of being for moments at a time. Get caught up in its labyrinth, moving through a thousand doors to one simple end. Love, But what you just said is what I have been telling my musical friends for years. We're at the top of the heap. Musicians, artists, writers, creators are the creme de la creme. We're the ones who have ascended. So that is beautiful. I wanna go back and hear what you said. Yeah. So Okay. What are what is your right now you're at a festival in Pennsylvania? What is your next move?
1: I come back to Georgia of course and and work with my orchestra, uh, in Columbus, Georgia and McGrane, Georgia. Uh, I'll be doing a gig with my pianist, uh, Penelope Williams. We've been a jazz duo for over 30 years. Mm. And uh, we're doing a concert on uh, Labor Day weekend. And then um, I actually started playing with a wonderful orchestra in South Florida. And so I will be in South Florida uh, with the uh, South Florida Symphony Orchestra, and they just started. A, they do concerts in Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and Key West. In Fort Lauderdale, at the Parker uh, Playhouse, and yeah. Miami at the New World Symphony Center, and in Key West at the Tennessee Williams uh, Theater Performing Arts.
0: Wow! So, Sabrina, Alfonso. Hi. Yeah, that's my girl. That's your yeah. home, awesome. <laughs> she's a member. She, she's she and Jacqueline. We we have reciprocal memberships, and you know uh, I was, yeah yeah
1: doesn't so, surprise me at all. That's one of the <laughs> things that attracted me to that orchestra. Of course, I I went down on a trial basis last year, and. And what attracted me immediately to the orchestra was the fact that they have a female conductor and they are engaged my what I'm about being about the community they are engaged in a meaningful uh, and uh, welcoming and respectful manner with the community and there are many diverse communities in South Florida, and I, it was just heartwarming to see how the orchestra embraced those communities. Always up to be a part of that.
0: That's terrific. That, that really is. I'm so happy, and please give both of them my regards. Because I just moved from Florida, and I probably won't go that much. You know, I'm in North Carolina now, and I'm working to build the Music Woman Archive and Cultural Center.
1: You're definitely a builder, Dr. Cartwright. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so,
2: you you got John
0: Florida. Well, I got to, tell, but now I want to try to get North Carolina rolling, you know, because it's pretty slow here. But that's it's good a for me state. because, yeah, it is beautiful. That's why you're here.
1: You're gonna get it moving too. Yes,
0: yes, good. <laughs> so, um, you like Atlanta? I take it. I love Atlanta.
1: It, I mean, you know, every 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 city has its personality, and Atlanta certainly is not short on that. Uh, it's something that I immediately felt. I've lived in Atlanta since 1989, and uh, it just feels
0: like home to me.
1: And okay. it is terrific.
0: And do you teach at any of the schools there? Oh,
1: of course. <laughs> I'm at Selman, which should surprise you, because oh. I'm darker than a paper. I'm darker than a brown paper bag. So,
2: <laughs>
1: ah, I, I'm uncensored. I've uh, been wonderful uh, uh, working there, and uh, we have a wonderful strings faculty at Selman College along with uh, we have a wonderful music department but the strings faculty is something that is uh, relatively new coming into its own and just excellent uh, personnel there and we are there to provide uh, women at this historically uh, black college universe and university the opportunity to Express and access their full potential. And uh, we have done that. Uh, There are some notable people in jazz that are Spelman uh, graduates, and there are some that are coming through the pipeline, and it's wonderful to see that. So uh, check out the whole scene of music, Spelman. We cover it all.
0: Now, was Dr. Ralph Jones there? No, he might have been. Dr.
1: Ralph Jones, I don't recall. We're a consortium of five universities called the Atlanta University Center. So he may be with Morehouse, uh, Mars Brown, Clark Atlanta University, or the Interdenominational Seminary. I, I, I don't recall him at Spelman, but and I haven't been at Spelman that long, so.
0: Is Beverly? Be, Shef- I just don't know. Is is the president? Beverly Sheftel.
1: I think that's the name of. The, we have a new president, and I think that's the name of the president.
0: No, she wouldn't be new.
1: Oh, well, no. then we have a new president. Who is uh, being? who was just inaugurated either this summer, but her first year will be this fall, I did know Dr. Janetta Cole, who ironically was the first black female president of Selman in its long history. Right. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it <laughs> like looks I said, like... It's Atlanta has its personality just like any other city.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, I know Ralph was in Oberlin, but he came to Atlanta. But it's not showing where he is now. I'm not sure if I hope he's still here because it says he lives in Atlanta. But anyway, I was in Atlanta. I lived there two times, three years. But uh, at the time, I was writing my first book, which is In Pursuit of a Melody, and it contains 40 songs that I have written, and Freddie Hubbard Uh recorded Sweet Return, my song, Sweet Return. So Mm -hmm. I had, you know, good times in Atlanta. I did a lot of good stuff for myself, you know. Oh, uh, well, you did a now, lot of good things for the city. Nah, I didn't do much for the city. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sang a couple of times with a blues group, but I didn't I didn't find the jazz scene to be as vibrant. You know, I I really call Atlanta. It uh, yeah, the it's,
1: it's very it's very uh, hidden. We have more of hip hop. And rhythm and blues, uh, uh, but what you're talking about as mainstream jazz, it's it's uh, it's here, but it's in very small pockets, and it's grown tremendously uh, since the '90s. It it, it is here, but. And that's the same as live music. It's one of the personality uh, traits of Atlanta. Atlanta is more of a, of a contemporary business, go uh, the popular music route, recording uh, pop and rap, uh, as opposed to uh, the improv- improvisational uh, nature of straight ahead jazz the market isn't as big for it here and 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 that has a lot to do with just the the climate of Atlanta is is more of different genres of music, and jazz does not happen to be one of those genres in Atlanta. Uh, we did have a wonderful, uh, like in the late 80s when the Atlanta Jazz Festival was held basically in Grant Park, you know, people like Dizzy Gillespie and that era, uh, we had those musicians and then it just turned more into popular music over the years uh, and that's what the city gravitates towards. That's that's more of the personality of the city as opposed to where you could come to New York and, and hear all of this wonderful vintage acoustic or go to Cleveland, Ohio, uh, cities that, or Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, uh, or, and really hear clubs that still support that music. Uh, with the influx of people moving, uh, to the Atlanta area, uh, there's more of a, of a chance of getting that started. But, you know, you're fighting an uphill battle that you're not going to win. It's more of a sports city, uh, and that's just the personality of Atlanta. And it has a, a gospel background. It has a heavy a church, an intense church music background. Uh, so you're getting that part. Of the raw emotional experience, as opposed to the intimate, of uh, mm-hmm. more intellectualized setting of a, of of a jazz concert.
0: Right. Well, ironically, ironically, you know, and we talk about smooth jazz, but. Smooth jazz started in Philadelphia with Grover Washington Jr. and yeah, yeah. And then there was Kenny G. <laughs> and then and then Ohio. <laughs> so yeah, and you know, we're in I, that
1: area, Pennsylvania, Ohio. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and and that that no, that's such a complicated thing, in my opinion, that just has to do. With basically the the group thought of people becoming uh, more of a hive mind instead of an individual mind, and so it was easy. It, you know, it's kind of have a nice dinner with a date and listen to this music, uh, and 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 it, it is as opposed to you know have a nice dinner with a date and remember You know, the deep message of a song, like out was the 30s, a song like Paper Moon. Life is all, even in the song it says, it's it's make-believe, but if you add love to it, it's real. I mean, Mm -hmm. these were deep songs. It's only a Paper Moon, a Bartman Daily World, you know? Mm -hmm. But if you believed in me, if you... You know, you're sitting beside someone, getting a picture taken under the paper moon in the Depression. It meant you—you you were courting them, you loved them, you just didn't get together. I bought you dinner so that we were having sex. Okay, right. it, it was a long, drawn-out process of the art of love, and it's sort of a—it's uh, uh, sort of something that we find the emptiness now in youth and. And, and people, I'm not making a big leap, it sounds like a leap, but it's not. And the number uh-huh. of people committing suicide because they don't have these material possessions and they don't value love the way we used to value
0: love. They don't value love. I think it's also... They don't also, value fraternal love. And they don't connect with each other. They're not on a deeper level. Everything is so well, shallow.
1: It's the Orwellian, you know, social media. I mean, you can't get more double think than that. Social media is actually antisocial. Yeah. It keeps you away from other people. It has its place, like we can connect, like we're doing right now, but there also needs to be a component where we get together in person. And that's what the art, getting back to smooth, jazz, that's what the art of homogenizing music does. I remember that, that album, Grover Washington's Wine Light. Uh, those were, they, it's just like rap. Rap is great stuff, and there's people who are still doing great stuff. But you can also take that art form and reduce it to a place where you're just programming people how to how to respond and that's pretty heavy, it's pretty deep. That's what music and art can also do, which is I think why it has survived through all of the politics through thousands literally thousands of years. Because it resonates with you on a very on on various levels of who you are. We're much more than our corporal presence. It resonates with you on the spiritual and cosmic level. It's a very real thing, and that's why people who are really studying the art are very humble people because they know what power has been entrusted to them, and they know what the art form can do. And when you discover that, it's it's like a whole other world of existence. But one of the things that music can do, uh, I had a non-profit for uh, six, yeah, six years, and we met our mission. That's why I, I disbanded it. But it was TORCH, an acronym for TOGETHER orchestra revitalized community harmony. And it was the whole idea of the goal was to teach 100 kids and their families from one of the wealthiest to one of the poorest uh, communities in Atlanta, which were right beside each other, Bankhead and Buckhead. Mm. And we got the parents together uh and what the parents had in common was their love for their children to have the best opportunities possible. And we were able to do that through music. Mm -hmm. And it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, We actually served more like 200, maybe 250, but at least 200 children and uh, had partnership with the city of Atlanta, uh, we had a yearly concert in one of the schools in Bankhead. From the Galloway School, which is one of the you know most prestigious private K through 12 schools in Atlanta, they came down, played a concert, uh, and I brought some of my 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 friends who have pretty illustrious careers. Uh, Diane Monroe came in and played a concert. The violinist uh, and uh, just just wonderful, wonderful things came out of that and wonderful opportunities for the children of both socioeconomic groups. Uh, just a love for community, and they will pass that on to others. A love of connecting and doing something together as a family that didn't involve an electronic device. It was, you know, all acoustic, all natural, all with your parents or someone who loves you very much, and you're learning music together. Wonderful, wonderful organization.
0: That's terrific. And, you know, my mother's maiden name was Galloway. (laughs) Cool. Now, you said we met. Did you and I meet?
1: In Atlanta? Could have. You might have been in a jam session. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember everything. But I do remember meeting you somewhere else. Or maybe it was my piano player, uh, Penelope, saying that she knew you through the – back in the 90s, there was a Kansas City women's jazz festival. I don't know if they still have that. But she was pretty active in that because she did some research on Mary Lou uh, Williams, and we we were both working together in Bar Harbor, Maine. So I I was there when it started. Her uh, Mary Lou's personnel manager, uh, I think he was a priest, and he was in either the Boston area, I think he was in the Boston area, but there was some connection through Bar Harbor. I don't Blue Hill uh, to be exact. I I you know I mean, things. Uh, when you've been doing this for a long time, it is, for me anyhow, things begin to blur together. But right. um, some, and of course your books. And, uh, so, but we, I know we have met because uh, I remember meeting you in person. But here nor there, uh, I'm. You know, that's that's all I remember. Okay. No, it's not we
0: we just didn't cross paths the first time we Yeah, my musical director, Roberta De Bureau, she lives up near Bar Harbor. Every six months she's in Florida and then every six months she's in for so six months out of the year, she's between Boynton Beach, Florida and Bar Har Bar Harbor. And her daughter no. has six months. Restaurant up there, uh-huh, mm. yeah, and, well, so, you know, we worked at George's
1: it's not there anymore, but it was a great restaurant. I mean, it was like an exclusive place on well mm-hmm. Bar is kind of an exclusive place it's a right. yeah, it's a summer place, you don't want to be there in the winter, uh, mm. but yeah, it was pretty cool. What's the name of the place that you worked? I worked at a place called George's. Literally, sure. it was it, the, 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 his uh, first name was George. I forget his last name, uh, but he was of a very solid Greek heritage. He took great pride in his food, and he right. served like lots of politicians would stop in there and celebrities, and yeah, it, it was a pretty it was a pretty exclusive place, pretty pricey too. And he okay. put us up. He fell in love with Penelope. And he was, she was the only person that could tell him to turn off the espresso machine and ditches did to break. But it, it was like uh, just a wonderful atmosphere. It was a double bass and piano. And uh, we played every night, I think, from six to nine uh, for like a month. And he kept us there. And, you know, we got paid for playing and he put us up. Uh, and at, and we got to spend the month. There in a, a lovely place playing jazz. It's a very lovely gig when you can get those, you know. And, yeah. uh That that was my experience with Bar Harbor, and you know, and seeing the you know the ultra wealthy, what they called cottages, looked like mansions, and and uh, you, you just saw you saw the people who lived in Ellsworth come there and work and. And everyone would kind of leave the area at the end of the summer, and the people who lived there all year lived there all year. Uh, yeah. That's, that's it's like a one-road town. Yeah.
0: So we have less than seven minutes. I want to play quiet now. All right. So I'm going to be right back with Jackie Pickett. My guest today on Music Woman Radio is the phenomenal bassist Jackie Pickett. So, Jackie, you said that you lived in, you worked in China. Where? Oh,
1: I went as an invited uh, delegation of music educators. So, work isn't the right word. I listened. And at that time, you still had to have an invitation to go into China. And that time, I think, was 1990, September of 1997. I went for about three weeks and went with a delegation of music educators. And we met music educators in China. And just they wanted to show us their culture and basically I, I listened. Uh, I learned a lot about how things were done. And this wasn't too long after uh what we saw on Tiananmen Square on the television in the ah. late eighties. And so, so You, you were in I got Beijing? A real yeah, I was in I was in Beijing, Shanghai and a city right across from Korea called Dalian, uh-huh. and this was right at the time when there was this turmoil with bankrupting uh, China and those uh, those Asian bloc countries, and um, there there was a person a delegation from Taiwan, and of course Taiwan is still to this day not recognized uh, by China as its own uh, independent uh, nation, I I got to see firsthand um, just how the people were very careful with their wording, how regimented, uh, you know, I'd get up every morning, look out my window, and people were doing, it was unbelievable. People were doing exercises, like literally exercising, which you would say at the surface is a great thing, but it was obvious that you did it whether you wanted to or not. And that loss of personal autonomy was really chilling to me. And... You could see it all through the countryside. You could see it wherever we traveled. We flew to some places. We rode by bus to other places, and uh, I, I've just—I've never seen anything like it. It was frightening to me. Uh, I lived there so, for
0: five yeah. five months. I lived there for five months, but we're at the end of this show. So I look forward to seeing you, hopefully, with Sibongile again. And thank you for your support. And bring us some more musicians. You know, we need women musicians to be visible, visible. Shout out to my
1: nonprofit, League of Women Bass Players, Low B International.
2: (laughs)
0: I
1: didn't mean to play that so loudly. <laughs> okay. okay, we will be in, in touch. No, uh, Jones, right, Jones, are you still there? Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right in the notes, my nonprofit, Low B International. It's a new nonprofit that started in 2021, and it's electric and acoustic-based players From all over the world, the focus is on women bass players and people who support what we do and the groups there for us to gather as a community and support each other. So, uh, spell it. uh, it. L-O-W, I'm spelling it, L O W. B. I-N-T-E-R-N-A-T-I-O-N-A-L, lowbeeinternational.org, O-R-G. Got it. Or Got can,
0: it.
1: Yeah. hmm And it, our, our mission and everything is explained there. We're having an online convention uh, in January of 23. We have meetup groups, at least in Australia, and in Spain, a couple more of those put together, uh, and we are just doing what you're doing, following your lead. We're meeting people, and the longer we stay cohesive as a unit, then people can find us. So That's that's what we're doing right now, building community.
0: That's right. All right, I did that, and I must bid you adieu, but we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay.
1: Glad to hear that you're, you're doing better.
0: I okay, do. You've got lots of
1: work to do. <laughs>
0: okay, darling. I got work. Right. I got work. I got you. work to do.
1: Okay. <laughs> talk to you later, Joan.
0: Okay.